0: My boss the first day was just like, work, just work, and you're going to suck for a while. And I remember like locking myself in a room and just like cold calling people and messing up and stumbling and being like, whatever, it's just like one step closer to being better. Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation
1: for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. You got with you today the Knucklehead Stephen, and uh, I've got Adam Ryan uh, of the Hustle. I don't want to just introduce him as the uh, the president of the Hustle. I want to introduce him more. You know, I want to give some backstory and say that. You know, he's from Missouri. He's a Midwest guy. He's out there hooking and jabbing in the great country of Texas now in the tech space down there in Austin. But really, that's where I'm going to leave it. I'm going to, I want to pass the buck over to him and say, Adam, can you introduce yourself just here, real quick? For those of folks who are listening who don't know how to spell, like myself, just a Knuckle Dragon Marine, could you educate us, maybe, so to speak, on what the hustle is and why Knucklehead Podcast listeners aren't already part of the trends format that the hustle brings to the table? So if you talk to us about that, that'd be great.
0: Yeah, it sounds great. I appreciate having me, and uh, consider myself a knucklehead as well. So, I think uh, shared shared sentiment there, and and thank you for being a marine. Uh, I think uh, now more than ever, we we appreciate that. So, a little bit about myself, which is less interesting compared to the hustle. Former ninth grade American government teacher, and uh, in Columbia, Missouri, decided went to grad school and attached myself to a nonprofit, kind of jumping all over the place with a lot of interests and. Got a, a opportunity to come to Austin uh, through the Lance Armstrong Foundation, uh, who was supporting the charity at the time that I was working with. And that's what came down here. Didn't know anybody and uh, had no network uh, and uh, worked for free for, for him for a while. And then through that, just decided to say, let's take the jump and found, uh, always loved media uh, marketing and uh, found a company called Spiceworks which was uh, the month I started, they had taken 52 million from Goldman Sachs. They were, it's a B2B media platform, mostly focused on IT. Um, And so I sold advertising there, worked with clients like HP, et cetera, and did that uh, for a couple of years. Then left their uh, jump ship to Under Armour's Connected Fitness Division, so their media division, when they acquired MyFitnessPal and Matt My MyFitness and was part of that early process. it was there for about uh, four months, and a f- friend of mine from high school launched a daily email called The Hustle. Uh, that was April, of 2016, started reading it every day, really enjoyed it. I actually read his blog before that he was living in California. I'm, I'm talking about Sam Parr, the, the founder of the hustle and, come August-ish. I was getting married that September. Come August, I uh, was looking for some side hustle to to pay for my honeymoon in Italy and told Sam, like, let's work it out. Um, And the the email list was growing. It had exceeded 100,000 subscribers already at that point and started selling ads in August of 2016, kind of moonlighting. Went on my honeymoon in September, uh, told my wife on the honeymoon, like, I think I got to quit this dream job of mine at Under Armour and uh, and jump ship to to this email newsletter company. Uh, November started at the hustle and kind of took from there so uh, first my first job there was just selling advertising and building the revenue model out for growth and then kind of kept evolving and evolving evolving so what the hustle is uh, in I consider ourselves just a community of builders uh, in general and it's our job to per, our job to serve them with information whether that's information is news which we do through our daily email uh, original reporting and stories which we do every Sunday or insights which we do through our premium product called trends. And so our entire community is is there to kind of change their own world through business. And uh, it's our job to support them through that.
1: Well, it's interesting the way that you had described, even just the, those three deliberate different, they're very unique in terms of how they differ from each other. However, they all fall under that same it's the digestible format and the way that folks consume information nowadays. Right. And that's the consistency between those three deliberate stages that you had talked about. Now, this is Knucklehead podcast. This is not you did it perfectly the first time, every time podcast. This is this is the the podcast that folks listen to whenever they hear, oh crap. You know, you don't have to be perfect in order to get things done correctly. And right. so what I what I heard. In each one of those iterations, in terms of going from um, a high school teacher to to rubbing elbows with one of the greatest cyclists uh, in the history of cycling, uh, you know, rubbing elbows, getting that tenacity and winning mindset that, you know, that Lance brings to the table or uh, don't they call them like Juan Pelota or something similar mm-hmm. to that down, down in Austin? This so, is
0: coffee shop in Austin. Yeah. There a, we go. play yeah. on work, but I'll let uh, your knucklehead audience figure that out.
1: <laughs> they can Google, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when it comes to, uh, when it comes to each one of those iterations, it's interesting how you're, I don't want to say just humble beginnings, but the the, the commonality is, is where you're at now with over a million subscribers, millions and millions, really, uh, whenever you look at the newsletter numbers, the activation and engagement within that community, that doesn't happen by accident. However, it doesn't happen perfectly the first time either. So there's been... I'm sure some significant learning lessons along the way. I'm curious. I'm curious though, if you were to back up to uh, maybe your time with Lance, what, what would be, what would be kind of a knucklehead moment where you feel like you, you, you stepped on it a, a couple of times whenever you're dealing with him, especially in the nonprofit world where you say you were working for free. What, yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe even asking for some money you know, beforehand.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Livestrong at the time was uh, nearly 95 people. Uh, so it was a decent-sized organization. Uh, yeah. And um, I was in grad school working there. And what I learned there and like, quickly saw is that because of Lance's reputation, he was able to recruit just some of the top, most talented people, some of the most talented people I've ever worked with. Sure. Uh, and they were passionate. And like, I would say that some of them had no idea what they were doing in the nonprofit space. Like there is definitely an expertise there uh, that's required. And I think he, they recruited people that just were brilliant and smart and, and, and passionate. And I just stumbled upon uh, as, an, as a free intern and got to be surrounded by those people. And, you know, I think I saw people that I thought were the smartest people in the room make mistakes all the time. I made tons of mistakes and that was just like totally accepted and their passion kind of let them go through. I think, I think the, the bigger lessons came for me is like when I jumped from the, uh, that the nonprofit world was more similar to, I was doing a lot of like adult education. So it's pretty similar to teaching the switching to ad sales at a tech company by Goldman Sachs was like, uh, what the f- am I doing in this, in this room? You know, and my boss, the first day was just like work just work and you're going to suck for a while. And you know, that's just how it goes. I remember like locking myself in a room and just like cold calling people and messing up and stumbling and being like, whatever. It's just like one step closer to being
1: better. How often did you, did you break away from the spice works workaday world over to that anytime fitness that was right up the street?
0: Yeah. Well, we had a, we had a plan. That's what everyone did at lunchtime. Then we played basketball. That's funny. Uh, um, I didn't know you knew that,
1: i used to live in austin i, I ran a, a fitness and wellness company those of you who are listening to quite podcast this is a repeat you, you almost like Steven, shut up let's get to adam here but yeah i ran a fitness and wellness company and one of the uh, places that we did our group workouts for are we called it the gesture crew because of gesture hill there over off of uh, uh yep so we yeah that was one of the locations that we had had uh we did Fitness and wellness services for most of the tech companies that are down in, in downtown Austin at the time. So that was always a, a difficult juggle for this guy, having to go from, you know, 2222 and 360 for those Austinites that are listening all the way down to 5th in Congress. It was.
0: I made that drive every day. Uh, you know exactly
1: what I'm talking about. There. Yeah, I made
0: that drive every single day. And, uh, but I, I loved that company. You know, it also, they were transparent as all get out. And I've carried that with me, but I watched them make mistakes. Uh, I watched myself make mistakes there, but it was kind of a survival of the fittest attitude there. They overhired, they had way more people than they needed because they had all the venture money. Um, So if you worked hard and you got results, like you thrived and then everybody else would kind of get weeded out. And um, that mentality, I think forces you to learn fast. It also makes you realize like grab an advocate quickly.
1: I was about ready to ask that. So do you think that that's more synonymous with leadership there at Spiceworks or just akin to the private equity uh, influx of cash from Goldman Sachs, where, yes, they want to return on their investment, but at the same time, that also, they also understand that they need to, with mass quantity, sometimes yeah. people just get left behind, but they know that the cream will rise to the top.
0: I think when you, I mean, I think we see this like across the board with D2C right now and, and everywhere. It's like when you take that venture money, it gives you a cushion. And like, that's what it is. Right. And now it also comes with uh, heaps of expectation. Um, and, but that cushion allows you to make decisions that you wouldn't necessarily make. If you only had, if you're like, okay, we only have this $1, what are we going to do with this $1? Where if you're like, Oh, we can always go get more. And, but I think that's like the balance that like, You know, I think we're at the age of uh, of like free tacos and yoga class and like, you know, uh, free fitness classes is like it's not done like those things are going to keep going. But I think people are coming to realize that like that normally comes with some trade off. That like, there's a reason why you have to offer those things to keep people where if you're, you know, if you're like us at the hustle, like during COVID, we just like, we used to do a team launch every Thursday. And I just, like had to be like, I'm sorry, we're not doing that anymore. And that's not like a fun thing to say, but if you have a company that's actually like growing and building those are just like cherries on top, but like the cake is still there. That's like the difference. And and at Spiceworks, sometimes the the cherries I saw become the cake, right? And like, if you're just keeping people because of free tacos, that's not going to last forever.
1: Yeah. You have to cater to the lowest common denominator in that scenario. Uh, And it's nice that that experience, you know, that you were able to at least glean uh, from that experience, that perspective. Uh, that It sounds as if you carried with you uh, to to this particular venture. Uh, I gotta ask you about Under Armour, though. What was it about? Was it the connected apparel? <laughs> Talk about some failure happening and some mistakes. Oof. Have you ever asked yourself why you haven't started a podcast? Well, I already know the reason. So do you. You don't feel like you're tech savvy. You don't feel like you got your message wired tight. And quite frankly, it's just, it's all this mystification going on. Quite frankly, uh, our process helps to demystify that we're push button for podcast we're knucklehead why knucklehead Well, we lead with the fact that you don't know what you're doing we do we've been there we've actually been in your shoes we take your spoken voice we literally give a human voice to your website you want to bring dead leads to life well then you need to talk to knucklehead essentially what we're going to do is we're going to take you through our process and we're going to help take your human voice and increase the process for you going from dead leads to life I, how do i how do i do this? Well. You essentially just take your human voice, put it in a directory, and let people consume more of you. Give your audience the ability to Netflix on you. They want to binge watch you. They want to binge listen. Give them the ability to take your voice along on that commute with them. So you can get in touch with us, Stephen at Knucklehead Podcasts, or if you've got a really cool story, Stories at Knucklehead Podcasts. You can find us on LinkedIn and on Facebook at Knucklehead Promotions, LLC. And get in touch with us. Don't be a beta about the process. Don't let the fact that you don't know, preventing you from getting some wins. So don't be a beta, get some wins and contact us today. I got to ask that. I mean, you're talking about connected fitness and that particular fabric and the, the, you know, the connectivity between all of those idiosyncrasies. How how did that, I mean, quite frankly, what attracted you to that particular opportunity or was it more of you saw that that's where fitness was going because so many pro athletes want to know how they're doing and they don't want to have, you know, Apple watches and Fitbits, measuring those, those statistics.
0: Yeah. Um, I would like to say that I was like thinking ahead, uh, and like, uh, totally on top of like, oh man, my fitness pals collecting all this data. And like, I got it. But the reality is the guy that recruited me at Spiceworks uh, left to go start that Under Armour office. Um, and I I just refused uh, to leave his side and went over there with him and trust him. And I still to this day trust him with, with my life. Uh, and he's like one of the greatest mentors and managers I've ever had. But I would say within six weeks of being there, uh, him and I, and someone else that we all went together is like, it was like, Oh, this is a show. And like, we're part of the show. And, uh, it was, it was brutal. Um, I mean, acquiring three companies, which they did, and then merging them with a fourth um, under one house is, it, it was just like a clash of cultures. I mean, you had Austin people, you had San Francisco people, you had European folks, and then you had the Baltimore office. And I really praise uh, Kevin Plank for like the vision of that. Um, uh, one of my favorite people to follow on the internet is with a guy named Webb Smith. And he talks about linear commerce commerce all the time. And like Under Armour did that way before anybody else. Like my fitness pal, Matt, my fitness was media that, their audience was using and their brand then to sell them clothes. Like it's a perfect linear commerce play. They overpaid and they didn't take in consideration how brutally hard it would be to integrate people together and egos and um all while kind of saying like okay you guys are important but like shirts and shoes are most important don't ever forget that and like that that's really tough because they're right shirt and shoes are the most important but like you had 400 people working on a bunch of apps and building a community um so uh, i just saw that up close um and i I witnessed, I mean, myself, you just fall into making bad decisions when you start looking out for yourself when it was a cutthroat culture like that and uh, no one really had cohesiveness.
1: I got to ask you, so I, I appreciate you being, uh, the candor here that you're using to describe that period of time. Let's, let's talk about, uh, just real quick about some of those stories. Cause there's a lot of internal pressure at an organization. Uh, so uh, for instance, for me, I'll share this with you. And then, you know, if you have a story that comes to mind, that'd be great. Uh, I was leading and managing a sales team in the commodity food brokerage space. And the director of HR wasn't being honest with the guy that, um, Uh, that owned the company about one of the, uh, a story on our sales team. So I had a a business development rep who had just resigned and let her know that, Hey, listen, I don't know what personal stuff you got going on, but let me tell you, you're you're kicking ass and taking names here. So when you get your house in order, just let me know and we'll, we'll work something out. Uh, That message was conveyed. Uh, It was perceived by the HR director that that was inappropriate as opposed to Uh, following protocols that she had set in place. Long story short is when I confronted her about her not being honest with my boss, it pissed me off because in my mind, you're attacking my integrity. What's the matter with you? And this is all internal of an organization, right? And so I'm leading and managing a team at the same time that this is going on. I shot off a real quick text to my wife, exactly how I felt about this woman after I confronted her. Turns out I was texting her instead of my wife. So I call that that a knucklehead moment. So- That's what uh, kicked off knucklehead. But the scenario that uh, that's important there is because of that internal pressure that happens at a team in the corporate world, those, if these walls could talk, there's, it's almost as if the walls start moving in and they force you to make a uh, kind of a, a knee jerk type of reaction sometimes that has long-term ramifications if you don't learn from them. So do you got a story where you're talking about having to deal and mesh with all these different cultures yeah. that are in Europe?
0: It was, it was, it was like the wild, wild west, man. I'm a, I'm a, I, I have a, I call it the yes attitude. Like I'm a, Hey, if we need something like, yes. Like why, why, like why no? Of course. Yes. And their philosophy at UA was like, try to hire the brightest people we can find, have them cut each other's throats and like, it's going to be okay. Like, because like we're making each other better. And it was like, I mean, it was a sports environment, you know, it's like, I mean, you were, they call each other teammates. They don't call each other colleagues. That's like the UA terminology that you always hear. Um, but it's, they, they, they wanted to be a sports team, like compete with each other and that, but there was like no direction or, or I would say framework to stay within. And so what, what happens when you get like a, you know, a bunch of, divas who think they're really good. You just start taking action. So I, I did things all the time. I mean, I remember I sold a G deal that like I knew was going to be just absolutely brutal to execute. I sold another one with Harry's um, and you just like, Push the paperwork through and then you're like sorry you have to go make this happen and then you know you get three different teams yelling at each other um and you're sitting back like i don't care and so i did that i did that stuff a lot um and it it, it, won't say it was encouraged but it definitely i mean everybody's looking out for themselves Uh, certainly didn't get your
1: hand slipped about it they're like thank you that check went through so here we go it's on to the on to the next one right
0: yeah so i uh, i did that uh, i mean i got i got pulled in like my first 6 weeks i also that was the first time in my career that like the first like 3 or 4 months i just could not get anything across the line um and struggled uh really badly and i was getting married like I had just made this jump, that was kind of a pay cut to be with a boss that I admired for a company that I loved and wear their clothes like I am now. Like, and the first three or four months was just like low, low, low. Uh, I was like, oh man, this is nothing what I thought it was going to be. You know, since then they've they've let go basically everybody we worked with um, and like started fresh. And I think they're they're trying and they wrote down the investment. Um, and did a bunch of things like that, but yeah, that, that, it just taught perseverance a lot in that, in those times. And like, also it was a little bit of like a bet on, I mean, going to the hustle, it was interesting. I felt more secure in the hustle than I did moving there than I did after Under Armour, even though it was like three people at the, you know, it was like nobody because it was like up to me. There was no red tape. There was no like fighting about X, Y, Z, no politics. It was just like, if I want to do something, I'm just going to do it
1: it's, it's all good, Adam. Uh, I've got a German shepherd right over here too. So I'm sure he's, um, you're, what's your, what's what's the name of your dog? We have Alfie and Stella and, Alfie uh, and Stella. Yeah. Are, Stella. What kind of dogs are these?
0: Uh, Alfie is, uh, an Italian water dog. Uh, okay. so he's the deeper, uh, voice, uh, that you'll hear there. And then, uh, Stella is a little 10 pound, uh, rescue. Uh, so that's, uh, Oh, That's cool. That's, yeah.
1: That's awesome. Well, that's, um, it's amazing how in today's, uh, well in today, everybody's working remotely now. So a byproduct of, you know, w- what you're talking about and kind of the situation with COVID as folks are listening to this, um, y- you run into kids in the background, y- you run into dogs in the background, but this is just, it's just kind of par for the course. And I think that, I don't know if it was you or, or somebody that, uh, I follow on Twitter was talking about, um, how this is going to be the work environment for a time. And because it was forced, it's probably not going to last. Sam said that uh, he, he
0: thinks that's true, that because people are being forced to stay in their house and work from home, it's making people not want to do it. I don't know if I agree with that, actually, but I do, I I think it's going to, I think everybody's ideal has always been like, I want to have an office to go to, but also have like the flexibility to work from home. And I think what this is doing is showing people showing decision makers, like you can be pretty productive. I mean, like the hustle has been like the most productive the last four weeks and we've been in a while with results. So like, I don't, I don't necessarily believe at all that anymore, which I think I had doubts before that. Like if you work from home, you might be slacking. Um, But I do think the camaraderie is missed like big time. Um, And so I think you'll see more blended, blended uh, work environments.
1: Shared, shared suffering. That's a component of developing a culture that becomes cohesive, uh, whether folks like to admit it or not, that adversity uh, there's a reason why diamonds are created under pressure, right? So it's you, you put people and otherwise I like I you said it a little bit earlier about if the cherry, what would you say if the cherry becomes the cake or folks yeah. you know folks actually end up chasing that as opposed to uh, making it about the actual product or the uh, the performance. It's amazing what what folks are made out of we created these COVID-19 uh, survivor shirts as a way to offset the cost of N95 masks for folks in the local community and giving them to, to service providers. Uh, and it's amazing. People get, people get their panties in a lot about uh, you're selling, you're selling shirts in order to create revenue to circumvent the cost of medical supplies to, to folks that are in the area. It's like, yeah, yeah. Cause you're supposed to, that's what you're supposed to do.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. I, I, What was it? March uh, 17th or 18th, uh, our our senior team got together and said, like, how are we going to address coverage of COVID? Um, Because it feels like a moment. Uh, like it was, I mean, I think that was the day Tom Hanks got diagnosed, which I don't know why, but I feel like that was the turning point for America, which says a lot. Um, but, um, the, we got together and we're like, how are we going to cover this? You know, what, I mean, what are we going to do for April fool's day? Like we talked to, I mean, it was like a lot of deep conversations about that. And, uh, if you, if you can provide value right now, you should, you, you can grow like the business the business people need valuable information, valuable products to make their lives better. I mean, there are some advertisers we're still working with that are thriving and it's not like, it's not out of this, like, like I'm taking advantage of the situation. It's like, no, they're like, They're, they're providing you a product right now that you absolutely need. And I think that, uh, should be more reflective, like of all the times, like right now, everybody else is cutting budgets, right? If you don't have a product that like fits in the scenario, which I get. Um, but I don't think enough people think about like, what value am I actually providing rather than like, I have this idea that I think is cool. And right now that's forcing us to, to think about that more.
1: Well, as a, so as the president of, of the hustle, right. And which, you know, I think even just describing that to somebody, if you're talking about, you're like, I'm the president of the hustle that, you know, just even that term and the, the company itself, it just sounds cool. You got to admit Adam, it does sound pretty cool. And if people don't even know that there's an organization named it, they're like, seriously, are you the hustle? What you, how'd you come up with that? You know, that's, yeah. I'm sure that that that's come up more than once in conversation.
0: Yeah, I, I honestly don't even know the name how the name came about. Um, it actually, our legal name is HustleCon uh, Media because HustleCon, the conference that we do every year, how we got started. Um, so that's a that's a fun fact that a lot of people don't know. I always talk about this when we talk about our customer, like who are they? And if we're going to be really vague and like not be super descriptive, like a hustler is essentially who our audience is though. It's someone looking to work hard, looking to make their own change in the world and like not afraid of like what they have to do to get there. And you know, there's a whole lot of people like that in
1: the world. Well, in 2016 y'all came up with a pitch deck video. Right. So my encouragement is those folks who are listening to this podcast who aren't sure what the hustle is, what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to go Google the hustle. I mean, obviously, there's going to be a, a specific place that you're going to want to go uh, uh, check it out. That way you can get access to trends for seven days. I and mean, I'm going to lean on Adam to be able to come up with where they need to go. Uh, but essentially, the genesis behind your growth or at least the the video that explains a lot of what you're talking about y'all did a really good job and concisely just serving up snippets of information to to a largely engaged audience which is i mean otherwise termed millennials when in reality people want their information in short amounts to decide whether or not they want to invest the long form of how they're going to consume the content anyway which is exactly what your email newsletter does right or is that a mischaracterization? No,
0: that's right on. I mean, I um, early on we used to say millennial a lot. Um, and the video you're talking about, I'm really proud of, uh, I mean the, nothing has changed from that messaging basically in three years, except our demographic, I would say is not necessarily defined by age. I think at the time, um, I mean, this was like really before like fake news, like really took off, right? Like the whole terminology behind it. Um, and like the polarization of media was starting to happen. Um, but I think like at the time, a lot of people our age, uh, just didn't feel like they had a home. Like the newspaper was dying, cord cutting was happening. Like there was no news out there that they actually could like have a habit with. I talked about my mom all the time in Missouri, like walking down the driveway every morning, grabbing the newspaper, coming to the table, having her favorite columnist, drinking coffee. Like it was not just like news. It was a culture. It was like a habit of your day and that just like disappeared completely. Um, And uh, we set out to create that habit. And at first, I think that fit the demographic, which like with millennials, and that's what we talked about. I think over time, what we've realized, it's now an ageless population, like that's an ageless problem. Um, We have plenty of subscribers who are retired or 60 or 19, um, because what we're doing with our daily email is just fulfilling this habit that no longer longer can exist. But people always love information, Um, but convenience and pulse- I think uh, is, is what we aim for. Um, And the convenience of email uh, was the method that we chose that so far has, has been pretty good.
1: And just real quick, just so, uh, just so we can land this in a way that gives you back uh, the time to your, to your day. But then at the same time, it really puts a cherry on this particular time with knucklehead. Adam is in that process you know, when you started in 2016, even though there hasn't been a deviation from it and culture started to change around it, what's an example of a story that you can share where (laughs) you expected it to go differently than what it did. And it was a learning lesson where you were like, you know what, we're not ever selling ad space to that type of person again.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I think of two things that come to mind, uh, that were like, turning points in the company and in like they were small they not small at the time but like they were like I don't think I I realized at the time like how culture defining they were but um one of the big things was I obviously was an ad salesperson and like was really motivated to bring in as much money as possible. Uh, and, but I recognized and the team recognized early, early on that, like, we needed brands to enhance our voice, not that be a detriment. Like if we just started like letting people take over our email with ads, it would, we would just become the next X company that we don't admire. Right. Um, and so, we had a moment with a company, SoFi, that they, their old CEO, we wrote it, we were coming out with a huge piece about them, uh, about the next day that he was he was not doing appropriate things at the workplace and, uh, was like basically like getting fired. And we were supposed to run an ad that day for SoFi coincidentally. And like our inventory it's not like most ad campaigns, right? Like we custom create the ad. It's very inventory limited. So 25 cents a month, one cent is 4% of your revenue, right? So it's pretty critical to to deliver our ads. And we made the call that night before, like refund the ad, cancel. We're not running that, of course. Like we can't. And that was like a shitty feeling, of course. But they like to find that like we were putting our voice over our ad dollars and that has since like helped us recruit better ad salespeople. like it's allowed us to recruit better writers like it just showed like a, a core value of integrity and the best part was like we told sofi like look i'm sorry we're doing this and we're writing that piece about you you're also blacklisted until this gets fixed in your company about six months later, like they had new leadership. The board had fired them They had a new CEO and they came to us and were like, look, these are all our changes that we made. We'd love to run again. And like, we obviously had nothing to do with those decisions, but we allowed them to come back and our audience appreciated it. And I think, I think it sets some integrity there. Um, so that was one moment. The other one is we had this idea in 2018 about jobs that we really thought people wanted to like, cool companies more than like, and they just want to like, I, they want to work for cool companies more than like, they care about their job. It was like this hypothesis that we had and most job boards are paid by the companies. So you don't really know, including like Glassdoor, like you don't really know if any cool company is actually a good company anymore because it's almost all ad driven. So it was like, how do we, how do we like flip the model? So we tried, it was, and you know, the the goal for us from day one was always to launch something and have consumer revenue from a loyal big audience as we talk about in that YouTube video. So that was our first try. We launched a job subscription email and we did it for about four weeks and it was a total flop. Like I mean, just a complete flop. Uh, no, no, nobody bought it. Basically, uh, we had a refund to refund everybody. Uh, we stopped doing it. It was horrible. And we like promoted it to the daily. Like we gave it the we gave it the the work. We hired someone to help launch it. Like we did everything what we thought we were supposed to do, and it was just a total failure. We learned from that a lot. I mean, there was a million lessons there. And trends now working. I get asked all the time, like, oh my god, uh, like it must've been so difficult to launch trends. And looking back, like it it was difficult, but like, I think it was easier because we already failed once. And like, it's, it just like a lot. And now it's success gets probably overshadowed. Like no one remembers the the hustle jobs email. uh, Thank God. But we, we definitely learned some moments and, and you know, you got to shoot your shot sometimes uh, if you have an idea.
1: Well, you just hit the nail right on the head. You got to shoot your shot. That's actually a slogan that we live by here, and it's called "Don't be beta."
0: Yeah, I love that.
1: Got to be willing to get yourself smacked around a little bit. If your nose is bloody, you realize you're not made of glass, right? So you are going to mess up. It's not a matter of if you are. And yeah. to your credit, Adam, you talked about you know several potential career uh, wrecking moments uh, over the course of your you know your journey, your scenic journey, so to speak, to the president of the hustle now. And so, you know, given that perspective, knowing that you're, you have to screw up and you have to be willing to fail on a project that actually sets the foundation for one of your most successful ventures with trends. Now, when I say most successful, I'm characterizing because I'm on the outside looking in. It seems as if the way that it's written and the passion in which folks write that, write the information in in those, I don't want to say it's prophetic, but the way that they can consume that information, it's very helpful to read. A trends assessment and and the email as opposed to maybe going to a place like Robin Hood and trying to, you know, source verify a Reuters article or something like that whenever you're making an investment decision. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I I use these examples all the time and not because of what they talk about. Um, but like Jimmy Fallon, John Stewart, uh, Johnny Carson, Ellen DeGeneres, like they all do opening acts. That everybody knows what they're already going to talk about. Like that news is normally 24 hours old at least. What they're saying is not important to people, but what they've been able to do is to have a way, a of, of how of they how they talk about it that drives this like engagement. And uh, I always think about John Stewart. Like he did, he literally had a nighttime TV show where he talked about news the day before, and people loved his voice that they got their news from him. And if you think about everything that we create, that's what drives us, right? It's like, we, our daily email is, it's once a day, it's not breaking news, but we're gonna give you what we think is important and we're gonna tell you in a way that we think you're gonna enjoy. With trends, I'm gonna tell you what you should build and how you should do it in a way that you actually understand and take action on. Uh, and that's it. And if like if you can do that, like it's been proven time and time again, this is not like a new strategy. Uh, like others have done it forever. Um, we we are just trying to to do it for the business space, which I, I don't think people realize like when you write, you're just writing to humans. Like I don't care if you're CEO of Nike, like you're still just a human. Um, and like if we write to you that way, like it's going to work. And I think, you know, Barstool Sports has done this perfectly with sports and I think they've grown like a huge loyal fan base because they were personality driven content providers. And if you can, and not enough people do that with business Um, and that's what we're doing with trends and and the hustle.
1: Well, you just characterized in a way what, what knucklehead is or what we aim to be for uh, for businesses when it's, as it relates to podcasting, because there are folks internal of organizations that have stories very similar to Adam's. And uh, my encouragement for those of you who are listening to Adam, uh, especially those of you who are coming from the military, you have this structured or regimented or rigorous process that you have to go through to get trained a certain way. However, for the rest of your life, You have your entire career, that earning potential to where you could iterate and learn and go through the failure process the way that Adam had just described to be where he's at. And if you really want a blueprint on how how that works and how you can take a tangible kind of tactical guide to do so, subscribe to The Hustle. Subscribe to it because you're going to get that's essentially just daily training daily training on how do people consume information how are words written in a way that uh, that facilitates comprehension as opposed to confusion and then second of all study the trends St- study the the ads that are that are coming through i'd appreciate the the model because you're providing essentially the blueprint on how somebody can go from one career to another and that's what you've talked about for man, we're going up 45 minutes now. So, I mean, we're, yeah, we're about yeah, ready to wrap.
0: I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it this. Sam uh, owned a hot dog stand and I was a former American government teacher. So you don't exactly need a, an MBA from uh, Stanford to, to get this started. And I think that's what makes right now so fun for, for me. If anybody wants to subscribe to the daily email, it's the co, or you could go to trends.co and, uh, for a two week trial, it's $1. Uh, and so if you don't like it, you can, uh, you can cancel, but, uh, in that time period, you'll, you'll get a bunch of information on new businesses and what's happening, hopefully two to three years from now. So you can take advantage of today.
1: hundred percent. And how do folks get in touch with, uh, with you, Adam, and what's the best way for, for them? Do they, do they email Lacey and HR and and then get access to the calendar that way? Yeah, exactly. That's
0: that's how we work around here. Uh, Adam at the Hustle Back works for me. I'm I'm in my email all the time, just like everybody else.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, for those of you who like listening, to Knucklehead, a new episode come at you every Tuesday. We've got uh, we've got an episode dropping, uh, not to just our subscribers, but across all social media channels, and we're excited about uh, Adam and Adam's story and his the success that they're having there at the Hustle. And what's interesting uh, about a lot of his stories is. Uh, we didn't even jump into it here. Uh, how two friends from back in the day who knew each other can actually pick up where things left off. I'm sure that there's an entire separate episode that we could go into in terms of you and Sam being able to not share who's who's won the arm wrestling contests and and not getting ego involved in decision making. So that's a, probably a completely different episode for another time. So I, I just appreciate you taking some time to share with our audience and. Um, my encouragement is don't be a beta about the process. Very similar to what Adam talked about. You're going to get punched in the mouth, especially when it comes to business. Be willing to go out there and make the mistakes, but also learn from it. Find somebody like Adam. He just told you exactly how to get in touch with him. So if you have some questions, I'm sure either he one he's going to answer or he's going to point you in the direction of somebody who has an answer. That's, that's probably what was done for him at, at one point in time. So with that, Adam, anything else that you want to give these guys?
0: No, but thanks so much. I really appreciate having me on and uh, looking forward to the episode.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.